God, we love you. And I, I hear the voice of your children. I see them as they worship and they experience you. God, may we also have childlike faith. Let us throw off the, the things that are, are burdening us and hindering us today from receiving your love. We just want to be with you. You are our good parents, the one that is there for us through the highs and the lows. And as we, we hopefully hear and respond to you this morning, uh, may you transform our hearts. May you remind us in the midst of pain and hardships and turmoil that you are God, that you show up. We expect you to move. Amen. As Richie said, my name is Amanda. Uh, on the screen, you can see my wonderful husband, Boston. As of May, we'll be married for two years. Um, he's named after the Boston Celtics, and so if you're into the NBA, uh, he is too, and therefore, I guess I am. Uh, but I love to travel. There's a picture of me um, in Guyana. It's one of my favorite places to travel, um, but that's something deep in my heart, and then also preaching. I received my call to preach in high school and have been serving at Hope Community Church after graduating from Mount Vernon Nazarene University in 2017. So I work with 6th through 12th grade currently, and I absolutely love it. They are a fascinating group of humans. And it has been truly my joy to watch Movement Church from the ground up. I mean, truly, whether it's this physical campus or online campus, you know, Richie would send different group text messages with some other pastors and I, and he would say, he sent us one of the prophesied t-shirt that I see over there. He's like, do you guys like this? You know, what kind of ideas do you have? And sending us different logos. And we're getting excited with him and the staff. And it's just truly amazing just to remember how all of this started. Just to sit back and to remember all those, those phone calls and text messages. And now we're actually here. There's something powerful that happens when we slow down and we remember the things that have happened in our lives. I mean, think about it. We have different physical reminders that help us remember moments of breakthrough in life events, like wedding rings, right? It reminds us um, of our, our vows, our commitments, that hopefully that awesome day when we got married, and college degrees hanging in your wall, that I worked hard for that, and it's a reminder of, of how God showed up and how breakthroughs happened for me at college. You may have um, pictures on the walls or traditions a family heirloom that defines not only you, but your family and generations and the roots that you are instilling in your children. You know, hospital bracelets from when your baby was born. You know, we have these physical items to remember moments, to remember breakthroughs, to remember roots and past victories and resilience that happens. Now think about some things that we have physically that remind us about God about the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God, and how God shows up. Maybe you have a cross that you wear around your neck or tattooed on your body, and that's a reminder that God is good and that God is faithful and that the cross is for me and for you. Maybe communion, that's a physical reminder, something we can actually physically eat and receive God's grace and God's goodness. It's a physical reminder that God loves us, that God died for us, and that God died for you. I know for me, I keep my journals very close. Um, ever since I was little, I started journaling. And so I have 13 or 15 journals that I've written in. And whenever I doubt my faith or my call or life gets really, really hard, I go back and I just crack those journals open. And I remember, God is good. God is good when I am not. God is good when this world is not. And, and I'm going to believe in the promises that God showed up and God will continue to show up in my life. These are physical reminders that remind us when life gets crazy 
that God is with us. And we're going to read about an Old Testament example in the book of Joshua where God's people also had a physical reminder, something for them to look back on and remember that God was for them and not against them. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 3 and 4. This book is in the Old Testament written by a guy named Joshua who gives an account of Israel's history and conquest into the promised land. So leading up to this, just to give us a little bit of context, Israel, God's people, were held captive by the Egyptians where they were enslaved. But God, through Moses, spoke, and these people were released from bondage, released from captivity, and they were taken into the promised land. They crossed over uh, the Red Sea. They were in the desert. They had manna and quail, and they experienced the highs and the lows of the wilderness. And they get ready to approach the promised land. Moses has passed on. Now Joshua is the new leader. He's calling his people to obey the Torah. We meet Rahab. We learned about that a little bit yesterday in our women's conference. We learn about Rahab and her story. And, and people are ready to enter the promised land. Again, they've got their like pre-game music going. They're like, the cheerleaders are out getting excited. They're, they're ready to go into the promised land. We've been waiting so long. And they've got the Ark of the Covenant there. And this represents God's presence. This isn't like Noah's Ark, this giant boat. It's, this is a little bit, um, it's, I mean, it's heavy, but it's smaller than that. This represents the footstool of God. God's presence was here. It's the most, one of the most sacred objects in ancient Israel is the Ark of the Covenant. When you looked at that, when you were around it, it's a reminder that God is here. And so people are excited. We've been waiting to get in the promised land. We're pumped. We're excited. We got the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where our story picks up here in Joshua chapter 3. So let's go ahead and turn there. Joshua chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of all of the earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now they chose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. No way, that's crazy. Okay, let's keep reading. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. The priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. And so they were told, all right, you're about ready to enter the promised land, but before you do, you got a giant river, okay? And it's actually springtime, which means the waters are really overflowing, okay? And they did not bring their rain boots. They were not ready for all of this, but they knew they had to cross it in order to get into the land promised to them by God. This, this isn't how I would have written the story. This is not what I expected. You know, we've been waiting for so long, and now, now we've got this giant river, and so they were ready, they were excited, and, and they're told that it's going to be a little challenging, but don't worry, God's going to show up. And what I love about Joshua is as the people are getting pumped and they're ready to go through this, he says, no, the Ark of the Lord's Covenant is going to go ahead of you. Before you try to start blazing the trails in front of you and before the unknowns happen, and we don't know what's on the other side of this river, God's presence is going to go ahead of you. And so Joshua sets up this pattern for the people. We are never going to move or do without God first. And church, I see that. I feel that in you, that nothing has ever started or created or fabricated out of the blue or out of a personal just desire, but it's all saying, God, you're ahead of me. Before we start this church, before we start this ministry, before we invest in the community, God's presence always goes before 
And Joshua is doing the same, setting a pattern from the people. We don't move. We don't do anything. We don't get excited or anything until we ask God's presence to go ahead of us. So they're standing there in front of the water. God's presence is there. They're not sure how they're going to quite get across, and God shows up. And so let's continue reading here in Joshua chapter 3, verses now 15 through 17. It was a harvest season, and the Jordan River was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zenith. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the river bank was dry. Then all the people crossed over near of the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Can you say with me, dry ground? Dry ground. Dry ground. You remember at the beginning of this journey, they were coming out of Egypt and then they, were, they approached the Red Sea and the water was up and we've got people, the Egyptians coming up after them and what happens? God separates the water and they walk through on? That's at the beginning of their journey, this pivotal moment in their journey. And now as they're literally seeing the promised land in the distance, they're excited and they're faced with another body of water, the Jordan River, and God says... I'm going to do it again. And so God splits the water and they walk through on. Once again, God keeps showing up for God's people. They did not have to fear. There was no reason for fear. Fear had no room when God's presence was there. They passed through the Red Sea. They passed through the Jordan River. God was faithful in the past and faithful here in the moment for Israel. And God didn't want them to forget how awesome this moment was. And so he encourages them in Joshua chapter 4, 4 through 7, to make a memorial, to stack some stones. So let's read together here in Joshua chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go to the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up a stone and carry it on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. These stones were a physical reminder that would not only be for the present people of Israel when they needed a little bit of a reminder, but it was for all God's people throughout generations to come. That these 12 stones weren't just 12 stones, but they represented the tribes of Israel, which represented all of the people. This physical object really authenticated the fact that God showed up when God promises God shows up. Why would Israel do this? Why would they make these ambiguous piles of stones and, and take time to remember? They did it because they knew hard times were coming. When they passed through those waters, it wasn't butterflies and daisies for them, okay? There was hard times coming for them. And so they used these stones not only to remember God's faithfulness, but to share in the victory for future generations. Like our mighty God stopped the waters, we have an unstoppable God 
that stops the obstacles for us, that shows up when we need God to show up. And so it was a reminder to them that when the hard times came, God would be there. God did it before. God did it here. And I believe he's going to do it again. The past was something that centered them. It wasn't something they just drug into the future and they're like, oh, we got to remember, you know, we got to be a part of this reunion. But they were excited. It anchored them. It rooted them in their future, in their identity. The stones not only were a reminder, but it helped them bear witness. So when people would ask, they would have an answer. I think of a mother and daughter who would walk by the Jordan River. You know, they're hanging out in the promised land. This is now home. And the daughter asked, Mom, what are all those stones doing here? How did they get here? She says, my daughter. You, you weren't alive to remember this, but man, I was there that day. The God of the universe parted the water so that we could walk through on dry land and we could be here living and breathing and serving God. My daughter, it was amazing. And that God who parted the waters are parting the waters in my life and in your life and in your future daughters and sons' lives. It was a reminder to bear witness and tell others how God shows up. Israel had other reminders as well. I mean, we celebrate, you know, you look at the Ten Commandments, that God, you are God, I am not, and it reminds us in these commands kind of what that looks like in that relationship. Israel and Jews currently have, you know, various feasts and festivals and moments for us to remember and remember and remember. And I feel like all too often, we're not very good at remembering things. We get busy. Our culture consistently bombards us with the urgent. It's about go and consume and go and consume and remember anniversaries and birthdays and passwords. And there's so much going on. And, and it often leads to a lot of anxiety because we just can't keep up. The constant shiftings of trends and different things. I mean, I feel that in like youth culture. I am so behind. <laughs> And I'm only 26 and I feel so behind just because everything's changing and we don't slow down to remember the things that are real and true and important. We kind of walk into the future blindly. Everything's shifting and changing and it's like walking into a dark room. You're trying not to stub your toe. You're trying not to get lost in the midst of everything. And sometimes that's how we feel every morning getting up. I have no idea what this day holds. I have no idea how to be a mom or a dad in the midst of all this. I, I don't know who I am or, or what's going on in this world. It leads to a lot of fear and unsettlement because we put the future oftentimes in our language in front of us. You know, we're going to face tomorrow. We're going to walk into the future. The future is something in front of us and the past is behind us. It's something we leave behind. Leave behind that breakup. Leave behind that person that wronged me. Like, I'm going to leave 2020 behind. The future's in front, and the past is behind. What's fascinating is not every culture in the world understands time that way. Specifically, the Hebrew culture. God's people saw things a little bit differently. And I heard about this in college, this concept of the Hebrew imagination. Rather than having the future in front and the past behind it's the opposite oftentimes when you read through the Old Testament. God's people focused on the past was in front of them and the future was behind them. Allow me to explain. So the past, when they would often talk about the past, they would use the word kedem, which means in front of. And when the Hebrew people would talk about the future, they would use the word ahar or aharit, and that meant behind. And so their focus wasn't on the unknowns, and they're trying to see things, but their focus was on the past faithfulness of God. And then I can just lean back. 
Isn't that like a song, like lean back? It's probably not appropriate. Anyways, and so the future was behind them, and they could trust, and they could lean back like into the arms of a parent, and their focus was on the past awesomeness and faithfulness of God. And so I'm not suggesting time travel, Dr. Strange craziness, okay? Obviously, they still moved forward in time, but their focus wasn't on the unknowns. When they crossed the Jordan River, they weren't just going right into what they didn't know. They stopped before they ever took a step, and they remembered God was here. God showed up, and God will continue to show up for us. Therefore, what do I have to fear? You see this concept of Hebrew imagination throughout the Bible, and there's a few scriptures that are going to pop up here. In Exodus, this is even from God's own mouth saying to to Moses that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, remember, remember. When you forget that if I'm your God, you remember how I was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your forefathers and foremothers. I showed up. By golly, I will show up for you. And then you see here in the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, you see here, remind your children, because they're going to forget, remind them, bind it on their foreheads and put it on your doors. Just remember, help your children remember, because this world is anxious and scary and we can't predict the future, but we know where our God has been. And we know that our God is going to come through once again. We believe this to be true. You see this also throughout the Psalms, Psalm 77. This is a, um, one of the characters is going through lament. So the lament is where our faith and our pain collide. And so it's, I'm in pain, but I believe you to be true. What do I do about this? In the midst of the unknowns, the psalmist cries out, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles long ago because I don't know what the future holds, but I know who you are. And I know where you've been. And so I'm going to actively remember. I'm going to sit down and recall where you've shown up because I honestly can't do this anymore. I believe we are to develop a similar mindset. With the past in front of us, we can remember the awesome things God has done. And the future behind us, we can lean back. We can trust. Does anybody here row, like rowboat type of thing? at all? No, neither do I. I try in the gym with that little machine, and then I get like two cranks, and I'm like, all right, I'm done, and I run over to the vending machine. But anyways, so you're on this machine, you're cranking back, and you're seeing the past in front of you where I've been, and you lean back, and you trust the future that's behind you. And this is the image that I want us to really chew on when we think about this relationship with Christ. That doesn't mean we're not pursuing awesome things, that we're on the move as a church, that we're not being great apostles, but our eyes aren't focused on the ambiguous unknowns, but we're focused on the fact God has showed up. Therefore, I don't have to turn around. All I have to do is trust in the God that showed up and that will continue to show up, and I can just lean back. The great philosopher Mater from the movie Cars says something that I just think is so impactful. He says, as he's driving around backwards and everyone's like, how do you know how to do this? He says, ain't no need to watch where I'm going. Just need to know where I've been. Whoo, that's true. Can we say it together? Ain't no need to watch where I'm going. Just need to know where I've been. With our eyes on the past, we set up stones as a reminder that our God is with us and is faithful and will continue to be faithful. What do we have to fear? God has shown up and continue to show up and and we'll do that in our lives forever. Our eyes really have no business trying to interpret all the future. 
It's not like our brains are iPhones that consistently get upgrades all the time. I mean, we grow and we develop, of course, but at the end of the day, we cannot perceive the future and know every single thing that's going to happen. We were never designed to do that. So just take a deep breath. You weren't created to know every single thing that's going to happen. You were created to acknowledge God and live in that strength and that identity that God's given you. That's how you're supposed to live, and so we focus on that. As we wake up every morning, not sure what the day is going to hold, but I know God is with me yesterday. God's going to be with me today. And God's going to be with me forever. And so I want us to kind of think of these three questions. What's something you heard this morning? Uh, how can you respond to what you heard? And who can you share these truths with? I hope that you heard that God is faithful, that God shows up, and that in the midst of a murky future, God has shown up and will continue to show up. We don't have to be afraid. And I want you to be able to respond this morning. Some of you guys, um, hopefully all of you guys, had a rock underneath your chair. This is going to get me weepy, but this is, this is Carly's. And she came up to me after, and she's like, look what I wrote on my rock. She's going to use this. She's going to take this home and remember. She wrote on here the movement. So when Carly gets scared and she doubts and she's not sure what the future holds, she can say, God showed up. I have a rock to remember and to prove that my God has never let me down. And so when she's scared and she's frustrated and she's not sure, she says on here, God was there and is still there. And it's a testament. And so I encourage you to also write on a rock, put a sticky note, take that rock with you and make your own pile of stones at home. So that when your children or your neighbors or you have small group that come together and they say, what is that pile of stones in your kitchen? You can say, it's God showing up. Can I tell you about how my God showed up for me and how my God can show up for you? It's a conversation starter and it's a faith solidifier here. I want the band to come up and I want you to take your rock. Please don't throw it at me. <laughs> Just hold it in your hand. I want you to think about the ways God has shown up for you. We don't know what the future holds, but we know where we've been. We know who our God is, and our God will not let us down. And so maybe you think about when you were saved as a teenager or a child, and that childlike faith, it's hard to keep faith sometimes. And so maybe you need to look at that and remember, I made a commitment to God. I know God loves me, and right now it doesn't feel like it, but I'm going to look and I'm going to remember. I'm going to be like the Israelite people when battles came and ups and downs and everything between. They would look at those stones and say, God split the Jordan, and God is still showing up for me. And so I want you to think that too. Maybe it's a, a disease that was healed. You're like, God, I don't believe you're my provider anymore. I'm really struggling. You can go over to that pile of rocks and look at it and be like, no, you are. I've seen you move, and I believe that you're going to do it again. Maybe it's a memorable moment, a life-changing event, or an important decision, that time you got a call to ministry, and you don't want to forget it. And so you're going to keep that so near and so close. Or is it your, your Parker, right? Is that his name? Sweet Parker. Maybe your stone is that time. That's the first time he went up on stage in the rest of his life. He's going to be up here preaching. He's going to be up here singing. And this was the moment that he got up with faith and closed his eyes and was experiencing God. And maybe that is your stone when he doubts his call, when he doubts his faith. You can say, no, remember that day you were on fire. And that God that was there is the God still in your heart and in our home and in our family. And that is enough. Look at these stones and remember 
or maybe yours is similar to Carly's, that I have a church, I have a family, and when the church has a bad rep, because let's be honest, we haven't been the best, we can remember it's still God's people, and that we're committed to this community, we're committed to the Lord, and I'm going to remember that God was faithful for our church, and God can be faithful for me. Set up your stones. Keep them where you and your family and generations to come can see them. Put dates on them. Put scripture on them. And remember, our God's been faithful and will continue to be faithful. Can I pray? God, you are good. And these stones are not just ambiguous piles of nothings, but they are reminders that you show up. You have shown up in the past when we didn't want anything to do with you, you showed up. And so we stack our stones, we hold them tight in our hands, and we proclaim, God, you are good, you are faithful, you show up, and I believe you're going to show up tomorrow. You are going to show up in the life of my kids. You are going to show up in Movement Church now and forevermore. And long after I'm gone, you're going to continue to show up. And so I will proclaim with these rocks. I mean, they cry out your praise, your history, your track record, your character. And God, there's nothing else we can do but just praise you. We can face tomorrow. We can back into the future because we know you are trustworthy, you are good, and you will show up for your people. It's what you do, God. Show up for us right now. May we remember, before we embark on the Monday tomorrow, may we remember you are with your people. We proclaim this to be true. Amen.